Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. All right, let's bring in Caleb Herring. Barry Odom radio show is coming up at 6 o'clock. Caleb is part of that, but uh, in the meantime, we'll get you hyped up for the show and what's going on with UNLV football. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Steve. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Long time no speak, right? Uh, Adam, do you want to jump on the joke about Caleb really not having any claim to fame anymore? Wait, what? Well, he was the last UNLV quarterback to take into a bowl game. That's all gone. It's done. Oh, yeah. It's done. Sorry, man. Yeah, it seems like everybody's been piling on about that. I don't know when it became like something that I was like voicing. It was just what I was always introduced as, and I kind of went with it, so I guess I'm guilty of that, but it is over, and I don't know. Maybe I should be sad about it. I think that's what people are expecting from me, like a little bit of sadness, but I'm, I, I'm actually pretty excited about it. I'm, I'm happy. Caleb, I've met you a hundred times. Uh, each of the hundred times you said, uh, by the way, I was the last UNLV quarterback. <laughs> yeah. to go to go. yeah, sorry. So sorry. I mean, your, your whole identity has gone. I don't know what you are anymore. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we did have an important question from earlier. Uh, oh, just to, this, could wait, this could be the whole spot. I hope it is. Okay. Uh, do you even know what, what it is? Do I know? I have a direction I want to go in, but go oh, ahead. No, I was going to say, you, you are familiar, Caleb, with the Meek Mill hit, Dreams and Nightmares? Okay. Okay. Familiar? Yes. Not a fan of Meek Mills, but I'm familiar with Ooh. it. As a person or as an artist? As either. I don't know him as a person, so okay. I, I mean... Well, you followed him I, in I, the I media. hope no, but no... <laughs> I mean, I don't like who who knows him as a person. Like, I don't know. Does he have animals? Robert Kraft. Does he have pets? Yeah, Robert Kraft does. I don't know. No, that's it, the most odd pairing since like <laughs> since pineapples and pizza. What the <laughs> heck's going on? First of all, that's delicious. Uh, no, Demond and I were just blown away that Cofield had never heard the song. I'd never heard the song. So I heard you guys spot with Miles Simmons, and I don't appreciate the way you guys are coming at him for his lack of hip hop knowledge. And I, I see what you're doing there, asking him those questions about his 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 aptitude when it comes to hip hop and the and the music scene there and the culture, or why he would be interested in Deion Sanders recruiting him to Colorado. I don't, I don't that's understand a what you guys are That's a Cofield. That that's is, a Cofield. By the way, that is my angle, and I also I never got to follow up on that. Um, like for me, when we talk about because the, the statement was made by another person on the show saying that uh, every African American recruit in the country should be interested in going to, uh, you know, work with Dion. I also we never got to break down where Dion works, and it's Boulder, Colorado. Places do matter for, in terms of comfort. They do. I, they absolutely do, and I, I think maybe the appeal of Dion Sanders might attract some people of the uh, African American culture. Let's say, uh, but. I don't think the reality of what Boulder, Colorado is once you're there um, will will be as appealing. And I think there's all there's two ways to look at it. Yes, I think pop culture, you would say, would would gravitate. And this is not just you know black or white thing, but I think you could say predominantly black student athletes um, are are drawn to his style, his charisma, the things he's doing. I mean, he was courtside at the opening game for Lakers and the Nuggets, right? Like. That kind of thing is like appealing to a certain demographic of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you might be interested a little bit more than going to, uh, you know, Tuscaloosa um, to play with Saban. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why that's true. And there's a lot of reasons why that's not wrong or a bad thing. But I think the reality of what Boulder is will set in eventually. Oh, no. We were on a roll. Connection issues. We'll get it figured out. 
Dion made the call. I actually blame Steve. <laughs> Dion made the call. I blame Steve because right before we started with Caleb, he said, "No, Caleb's phone is great. We're good." I did. Yeah, we're I good. Did. That didn't sound like the phone though. That we uh, we do our alternate hookup no, method was, there. I thought it was a phone. No, I know. You know, over the years, I know our good phones and our bad phones. That's true. Because we've had some really bad ones. We still we still know PR people from like ten years ago that still talk about your obsession with phones. That get mad that yeah. I mention phone quality. It's true. So, uh, trust me, the aforementioned Mad Dog. Russo, who uh, said he was going to retire, I'm pretty sure about five years ago on his uh, satellite show, he banned cell phones. He's like, you have to get them on a landline or I will not do it, which I don't even – how do you even – now with technology, they don't have to be on a cell phone. That's true. That's true. But, I mean, who's sitting around at home when they're doing spots? Uh, Who has landlines? That's true, too. That's another one. Um, No, I thought where you were going from early in the show with Caleb was the stadium food. Oh, well, that was too. We're going to get on that too. Okay. We have many things and, to address. And his you. fury that he jumps into over the meatless movement. He goes crazy. Oh, he doesn't like that there's a vegan option? He hates it so much. Well, they had impossible the, meatballs. Right, but they'd put it right next to regular meatballs usually. He's like, get that out of here. That is a waste <laughs> of the chafing dish. That is covet. That's a good. You know what? I'll let him do it because he went. He's like, there's salad. That's it. You get salad. Well, and there's usually some yes. vegetables. There he oh, is. Boy. There he is. Yes, I'm back. Yes. yes. Okay, I'm back. We Sorry. were just we were just <laughs> talking about your maniacal ways because we were talking about stadium food for media. Your maniacal ways when yeah. it comes to the meatless item on the menu. There's no such thing as meatless items, in my opinion. You shouldn't get a choice for meatless. If it's not salad, you don't get a choice. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, we've made our decision in life. We have protein as an option. We have a carnivorous lifestyle, and that's just who we are. If you want to be something else, go get a salad. Uh, enjoy your tomatoes. Um, chew on leaves and, and be happy about it. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If being vegan or vegetarian, whatever it's called, was so appealing, it would stand on its own merit. You don't see hamburger imitating salad to try to get people to eat it. No. Salad tries to imitate meat. So I think the proof is in the pudding. People like meat better. Get over it. But I don't. I mean, I don't understand why. If like <laughs> when they usually have a, like a vegan, meat, say a vegan meatball, but they also put the regular meatballs next to it. Like, what's the problem? What do you mean? What's the problem? You have your meatballs. That, that, and like, the vegan people have their their vegan ones. No, because it's not like it's it's like saying you know here's me, but there's my twin brother. And my wife can just go you know, have my twin brother. It's the same thing, right? No, it's not. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. I don't know how that makes sense, but figure no. it out, okay? It's, it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. It's not real meat. Don't pretend to be meat. You're vegan. Be a salad. Be a salad. Go trim the hedges and, and make your lunch, okay? Right, so, so I cool, decided. Are you cool with next next game they just put a salad out and there's nothing else? No, I, it'd be atrocious. I, I I dare them to just put a salad and just put impossible. Dare them. I, I dare them to do it wow. because I, I, I you want to know how how empty the buffet line would be if there was just salad and just impossible beef. Go ahead. No, just salad. I don't it's, want any other anything else. If it was just salad, the salads the salad bowl is always full. I've never no, seen anybody come with a replacement be, salad bowl. I'd I've never s- seen it. They do. I'd be so happy if that's all it was. It'd be that'd be incredible. Only because it would be removing temptation. Like if you're trying to eat no, healthy, no. yeah, okay, fine. We literally just said, I go, <laughs> there's, there's only like one salad place left that I know of, and I'm there like four days a week now. It's tr- it's so good. I wish they would. The, the problem, salad go place? No, that well, I haven't. Uh, that's a that's a weird one. But there's one salad bar place still left. 
that I that I, I don't know that any place that only serves salad isn't weird. This is this okay. is just I don't okay. I don't get it. Caleb Herring is with us. Uh, Caleb on the Rebels' success to get out to six to one. They just pulled off a nice come from behind victory with a late game drive. We've talked a lot about Jade Mayava. We were comparing contrasting to Doug Brumfield. Tell the audience what you saw as a former quarterback with the Rebels' current quarterback on that final drive. I saw composure. I saw taking what the defense gives you. I, I saw execution, which is a big thing. And this is, to me, the biggest part about it, to be able to execute under high pressure and, and still operate uh, as normal and read what the defense gives you, um, not pressing to make a big play. I saw that from Jay Mava, and it was, it was I think, great. The biggest thing that stood out for me was that the, there's two plays, and I – I well, there's a lot on that last sequence, <laughs> but um, the composure, I guess, to say after getting the first down on the ground to not come up and spike it, to not come up and have to burn that final timeout um, and and complete that pass to Ricky White to get into field goal range. It's similar to what they did against Vanderbilt in the comeback win in that game earlier this season. That is a, a very hard thing to execute from from any you know level of seniority or how often you've been doing. It. That's tough to do. Um, then there's another segment of that drive where. Uh, he takes an underneath route uh, in the concept, and it starts to drive off with five, six yards. It's it's a simple completion. But then later in the drive, similar play, maybe even identical play is run, um, and he's able to go through his progression the same way, stare down the short underneath route and, and draw the coverage who had seen the completion earlier to that underneath route to take the big shot to Jacob De Jesus um, over the top. was th- That's a sign of maturity and a sign of a progression, I think, that young quarterbacks try to strive for. Um, and to do it in that high stress and that high pressure situation in a conference game, homecoming, in front of your home crowd, come from behind, it, it was it was impressive. So Maiava's done some things as he's done all season long that have been impressive, and that I think is a demonst- uh, it demonstrates his growth and, and where he's come and where this offense has come with him as the signal caller. I'm fascinated by kickers, Adam. It's Adam's favorite position. <laughs> it is. He was heartbroken yesterday and really over the weekend to find out that. Uh, Carlson for the Raiders is dinged up, and now have, they still have a second kicker in there, Adam? Signed a practice squad kicker just in case. I mean, li- listen to his mood completely changed. It's not great. Um, I always wonder when you're a player, um, what is the dynamic with the kicker, especially with the quarterback? Like, do, do you guys talk to him? I like For me, Jose Pisano is this unknown, Just he's just super productive, but no one knows anything about him. Like, I don't know that really anyone talks to him. And then the guy goes out there and he's six of six on field goals and he's just you know game winning opportunities. Okay, here we go. Boom, it's through. <laughs> See, I, I my my perspective on kickers oh, is a little right. different because yeah. I was the holder, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I did talk to him and got yeah. to know them. And maybe I was a little weird because of that. Yeah. Um, but I I do understand that they're kind of ostracized a lot because there's not a lot of things they do with the team. Like most of the things that are happening while you know practice is going on, while these relationships are being formed, the kickers and the holders and the specialists really kind of do them on their own and they're off to the side, you know, doing their own practice, so to speak, while everything else is going on. Caleb, let me, let so me, jump, let me Caleb, let me jump in for a second. It's even, I forgot yeah. to bring this up. Um, and we probably should during the Odom show too. You remember the preseason was filled with the one challenge of a second practice field wasn't done. Uh, so they rolled yeah, out, they so- rolled out one. <laughs> the other one was under construction. They would just take the kickers, the punters, the kicker, the holders, the long snappers, and they're like, get out of here. And they would just take a golf cart, like, to, I don't know, over by the track. Like, they weren't around for the first three weeks. And now, like, after the game, they're like, wait, who's six field goal? Who is this guy? 
I'd be willing to bet that there was probably some people in the locker room that, like, when Jose took his helmet off at the end of the game winner, <laughs> were like, that's what you look like? <laughs> like because they just don't – you don't see them. I, and that's a joke, but I, it's uh, true. Like, they're they're so separated, even in normal circumstances. And for UNLV this offseason, it was a little different, kind of being shuttled off to a different field to practice um, at, at times during fall camp. But it, it's kind of the nature of every football team, though. The kickers have their own thing, and they have a unique bond, like, We've experienced on flights. I don't know if you see it. They all sit together on the row on the flights with the team, um, and they actually make a big deal about it. Nick Murphy, our engineer, was seated in their aisle one time, no. and they're like, no, no, specialist only. Get out of here. What <laughs> Is are you that doing? right? Like, they have their little click, and, uh, and yeah, it, it happened. True story. And so that that's that's how it is. They have their own little brotherhood, and I was a part of it, fortunately, as a holder uh, during my career. But uh, there, there is a kind of separation, a separation of powers. But it makes it almost makes the pressure of making those kicks even more significant. If that makes sense, like this is the one thing you do that the team knows that you do. They know you for this. If you mess this up, it's like what else have you been doing? Yeah. And I think Jose Bozano takes that kind of approach. It's like this is what I do. This is all I do. I better make sure I'm good at it. And so far this year, he's been fantastic at it. Yeah. What exactly do you do in practice if you're not making kicks on, on game day? That's that's uh, that's wild. It's a fair point. Uh, what what is it about UNLV that's been able to find kickers? Like you hear about college kickers all the time. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a hashtag on social media. Like oh, college kickers, of course, hasn't been a problem for UNLV. They've been incredible for a while. They have, and I think it's. You know, when you're in, in UNLV's position and when you have been, you know, where UNLV, UNLV has been as far as success in football, you look for ways to find or create advantages. And some programs, you may call it a, a luxury to not have to worry about their kicker or how good he is at times. And you've seen that with some of the bigger programs throughout the decades where it's like Alabama doesn't really rely on game-winning field goals or tightly contested games or going for touchdowns most of the time. Um, so you, you don't think of special teams as being advantageous. Um, but every now and then, I think in, in the UNLV situation and in, in other group of five level schools, the kicker and field goals and special teams and as a whole becomes a place where you can create an advantage and maybe close the gap with teams that are considered ahead of you uh, in the success curve. Um, and I think that's what UNLV has done uh, under Coach Odom and I think in the past as well, getting kickers and developing kickers that are consistent and able to produce points um, from 35 and in, and you can almost say you, you got points when you get them within range. Um, that's beneficial to UNLV. And Danny Gutierrez, you got to admit in some ways that you find diamonds in a rough, obviously. But Danny Gutierrez was great for his extended career. Um, and right behind him comes Jose Pizano. And Coach Odom and Coach Shebest have definitely emphasized special teams as being something that gives them a winning edge. So it's no accident that Jose Pizano was found or discovered or recruited and ended up at UNLV this year in particular because special teams across the board and, and all of the phases of special teams has been really good for UNLV. And I think that's something that other group of five schools and other Mountain West schools could probably uh, look to as a role model. Special teams can make a difference. Caleb Henry as well as former UNLV quarterback, part of the Barry Odom Radio Show, which is coming up here on ESPN Las Vegas at 6 o'clock live from Parkway Tavern 215 and Flamingo. They've qualified for a bowl. They're 6-1. and one. This could be the ultimate letdown spot against Fresno State. And if they do let down, Fresno's going to make them pay. Or do we go glass overflowing and look at this as the perfect spot after achieving bowl eligibility because you're playing big, bad, mighty Fresno with a lot on the line? I think this is – I'm going to look at it the optimistic way because I think the, the, the mindset that Coach Odom has brought 
um, it, it is in line with the optimism of this this next comment. I think when you set goals, and this is in life, when you set goals and you set them in order, um, achieving a goal kind of gives you like a dopamine rush. And there's research on this. I don't, you know, smarter goal setting, whatever the case may be. You set a goal, you achieve it, and you check it off. But it gives you a, bo- a jolt of energy to go for the next goal. And I think having the next goal in place, uh, which is kind of vocalized and, and the team has reciprocated, which would be championship com- competition. This game against Fresno is a direct line to that next goal, to where you achieve one goal. Now the next opponent is a championship caliber opponent in your conference. So you almost get that instant desire to start pursuing that next goal. You know, it's like you, you start your morning off. Yeah, everybody talks about morning routine. You start your morning off, you make your bed. Then it's like, oh, that felt good. Now let's go wash the dishes. And you get on kind of a, a snowball effect of goal achieving. I think that is what I would say is the potential for UNLV. Now, it's a tough challenge. Obviously, Fresno is different than Colorado State. They're different than most of the teams that UNLV has played this year. But I think it's in line with that goal set it, that they've set for themselves and that they've kind of embodied with the way that they've approached uh, this week of preparation and the way they approached getting to bowl eligibility. And we, we've heard it throughout the season. It's like they're setting a new standard and championship football is what they want to be a standard. And this is just another goal along the way to that. When it comes to the team, and you mentioned that championship football is the standard, what is that area that you still that you still think needs to improve with this team? I would say consistency. I would say there's uh, some moments during games where they have had an opportunity to um, take over games and to win more convincingly more early. And there's opportunities to do that. Whether it's a third and long that the defense forces that they that they give up a conversion on. Um, an opportunity to get a touchdown that would really, you know, separate the, the things on the scoreboard that they end up settling for a field goal. Those kinds of things, I think, can be cleaned up and will need to be cleaned up in order to really be considered champions um, uh, in this conference. They've done it in spurts. And I think you can look at the third quarter defensively of last week's game where they pitched a shutout and they looked, you know, fantastic on defense. Uh, you could look at the explosive start to the Reno game and say that was offensively what you want to look like or what you should look like. Um, uh, against these kind of opponents. Um, they've done it in moments, but I don't think they've put together a stretch of 60 minutes where they've looked like that, where they've put together championship football by their own standards. So I would say consistency in that regard. Obviously, the explosive plays that they've given up, um, I don't think have 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 benefited in that role. They've got to clean that up, and it's been sort of an Achilles heel for the Rebels this season so far. Um, and I would like to see a more efficient self reliant pass game if that makes sense i know they have play action pass available to them i know they have a a dominant run game at times but i have yet to see this season uh them be able to just come out and drop back pass and pick a team apart uh, methodically down the field with with efficient completions Uh, you know maybe you don't have to but that's what i would like to see if i was nitpicking and and really um being critical with my lens of what unlb's done so far this year Gil, well i really wanted to ask you about you kind of touched on it a little bit there when it comes to the passing game just being more consistent the receivers with UNLV, is it more so that when you mentioned that passing game outside of play action that Mayava maybe isn't getting them the spots or is it the receivers getting open? What do you see with these with this receiver group particularly? Well, I think that the nature of their offense creates tighter coverages on the edges for these guys and, and a lot of drop back and obvious pass situations because um, teams are looking to have tighter coverage. They're looking to have more man-centered defenses because they know the play action, because they're trying to load the box like Colorado State did. There was eight guys in the box at time. 
So then the guys on the edge are going to be facing tighter coverage. So it's just harder to find separation. Um, I think the windows that they operate in, because a lot of their passes do come on RPOs or play action style plays, the windows are just tighter. The windows of opportunity for uh, Jaden Maiwa to fit the ball into are just going to be tighter by the nature of the play design at times. Um, I don't see them doing a lot of uh, really empty and spaced out formations because they do start things with the ground game and they play with two running backs a lot. So you really only have two or three guys in the route concept at any given time that are actual receivers. So it's a little tougher to operate with less space on the outside. Um, but that's something that I think will develop. I think the receivers do have the skill set to get open. I don't think it's an issue with the talent. I don't think it's an issue with accuracy. I think just what the offense has developed into so far, for good reason, the run game and the box count has become more of a priority than winning on the edge and, and establishing efficient passing games. And it hasn't been necessary at this point. Obviously, they've won six games doing things the way they're doing them. So uh, why be in a rush to change them? Caleb, great job. We'll see you in a little bit. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good one. There he is. Caleb Herring, last quarterback before Jade Maiava to take the UNLV football program to a bowl game. I guess Doug Brumfield counts, too, because he did play the season. So multiple quarterbacks helped get sure. the Rebels to a bowl game, get them bowl eligible. Caleb was last solo? Mm. Did he, did he, he play every either. single snap yeah, that I year? I can't remember. That he might be might, true. Yeah, you might want to look that up. Get on that. Uh, tickets right now for the Halloween Hootenanny. It's Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper's. Halloween Hootenanny, Saturday, Bach Theater, Planet Hollywood. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. It's Ticketmaster.com. Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper, Halloween Hootenanny, Bach Theater on Saturday, 364-1100. DeMond's going to hook you up. Call her 7364-1100. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here, Cofield and Company. Get on over. Parkway Tavern over on Flamingo. Steve Cofield will be over there for the Coach Barry Odom Radio Show. Caleb Herring as well, who I discovered during the break. And Caleb also reminded us he also took over in Game 3, just like Jaden Maiava did. So very similar to the 2013 season when UNLV last went to a bowl game. And hopefully they'll continue adding to that win total and make that bowl berth even better while UNLV is soaring, our friend Arash Markazi school, not so much. Some struggles going on at USC. We'll get into that and a whole lot more with Arash Markazi from the Sporting Tribune. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Are you doing better than USC is? Because what is going on down at that place? You know, it's hard to know when the coach has been sick, although he's at practice today. He's been sick the past two days, and he doesn't allow players to talk to the media. So... <laughs> Uh, hard to get a sense of how they're doing. Obviously, they're not doing well on the field, back-to-back losses. Basically, you know, done with the college football playoff, done with the Pac-12 uh, championship, I'm assuming. So, yeah, the, the season really came off uh, the rails here. And the weird thing is, like, at no point has, has this season felt as good as it could. Like, even when they beat San Jose State and these other schools, like, yeah, you're supposed to. Like, they've never had a dominating win, and now we're going up against teams that um, are very good, whether you're talking about Utah, you know, Notre Dame, and then you go down uh, when they play Washington and and go up to Eugene. I mean, the, 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 this season could really fall apart where you're looking at a four- to five-loss team. Two weeks ago, there was a lot of speculation about 
you know, will Caleb Williams just stay in school next year? Like, he could be the number one pick, should be the number one pick. Will he just stay in school? Now, I've heard the exact opposite of people saying, you know what, why is he going to play the rest of the year? Just shut it down, sit out, there's nothing to play for, drop out of, drop out of school and uh, get ready for the NFL draft. Are you hearing any of that being possible, and do you think it could happen or should happen for Caleb Williams? No, I really only saw the one tweet that suggested that. I mean, what, what you're going to see is if they're if they're playing in a the bad bowl game, which is is trending in that direction. There's no reason for Caleb Williams to play beyond the regular season and play in the bowl game. But to following, uh, you know, but by the way, so he's at practice today. He's going to be playing on Saturday, so this is a moot point. But like. That, it's a ridiculous comment to make. I mean, they, they've got four games left in the season. These are his teammates. Like, he came back to play with these guys. Again, I have no expectations that he's playing in the Sun Bowl or the Holiday Bowl or something like that. That being said, he's going to finish out the season. Well, what, a slap in, what a slap in the face to the people of El Paso. I love El Paso, but I, I, I don't think Caleb Williams will be playing that big. I also don't believe that you love El Paso. Um, love is a strong word. Okay. I feel the same about El Paso the same way that I feel about you. I think I tolerate El Paso. Okay, fair. How many times have you been to El Paso, by the way? Uh, twice. Okay. Both That's... for the Sun Bowl and the Sun Bowl does a fantastic job. So I, I, I really take it back. I, yeah, it, it is a top-tier bowl in the way that they treat uh, the teams. Doesn't sound like you have a whole lot of love for the Sun Bowl. Like, I guess uh, you can you can it's backtrack now. It's not where now. you want to be on New Year's Eve, let's That's just fair. say that, or for the holidays. Fair enough, Arash Markazi from the Sporting <laughs> Tribune. A lot to get into, especially because Lakers season started last night, and I know you are very, very big into the Lakers. Uh, but we had some very heated debates earlier in the program, and I know you are somebody who tries to toe the line between being a wannabe Las Vegan and an actual Los Angelino or Angelino, I guess how you call it. Um, I'm going to really put you on the spot here because there was some really heated debates about press box food earlier. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of opinions as somebody who's been to many, many press boxes. But right off the bat, SoFi or Allegiant, which is better? And be careful because you are pretending to be a Las Vegan. Who is the better, no, listen, who is the better I'm food? Not, I'm not pretending anymore. I have a residence there. I've been at the Costco. I've been at the Costco in Summerlin and Henderson. Uh, <laughs> both fantastic locations. So, listen, uh, if you're just talking strictly about press box food, which is such a, a ridiculous comment to have over the, the uh, talk station because the 99% of the people who are tuning in can't enjoy the food in press box. So I sure. never like to brag or uh, poo-poo the food in the press box. Allegiant Stadium has the best press box food I've ever seen. It's fantastic. It's next level. Okay, you're lying. What? I mean, it's not... SoFi is, is not better. I mean, SoFi Stadium is better than Allegiant Stadium, and we've talked about this. One was built for $5 billion, the other was built yeah, for about exactly. $2 billion, So that's fine. The press box food, I, I don't think it's close. I think the Allegiant Stadium's press box food is better in SoFi. Do you not agree? Like, do you think SoFi Stadium press box food is great? No, I'll tell you why. Yes, I, I do. And I'll, I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. One, uh, they do have they have the best cups in the history of the world, uh, which are pretty much all of my cups now in my house are from <laughs> SoFi Stadium's press box because they have those cups that where your drink stays cold. So exactly. I, I will admit, I steal about 10 every time I'm there. 
Uh, oh, so well, that's why that's, they're low on it. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah. And more importantly, they have the prepackaged like Caesar salad, which is okay. So here's so you bring up a good point. For the post game food is better in terms of they have more selection. It's basically just to give the folks out there. It's like you have a Seven Eleven post game. You have prepackaged sandwiches and uh, chips and wraps and stuff like that. So post game food. There's a lot more options. I will agree with that. Uh, they do. And the reason that we are discussing it is not because of, as you said, nobody really cares truly. But what people do care about sometimes is people are now getting more and more vocal complaining about it, which why are people do? Why do people do that? Why would you take your grievance about free food, which is provided only because we are there for so long, like your entire day for spending 14 hours there, there's going to be food, of course, but why are you complaining? Just eat whatever it is and move on with your day. Are you I don't telling me that the Las Vegas media is uh, is complaining about the press box food at the Legion Stadium and on either their social media or on the airways? Well, one person in particular did on social media. It became a big thing. But also, visiting media has been complaining a lot. Oh, that's... Listen, I will say one thing, and I learned this the hard way when I was uh, younger... Uh, the majority of people, and when I say the majority, like 99.999% of people do not care about our parking spot, which is free, about our food, which is free, about our press box seat, which is free. Uh, they don't care about that. Certainly when you talk about, uh, you know, the cost of going to a game these days. So listen, I'm not there. We can talk about, you know, who has the better press box food or the spread or the cups. I mean, when you talk about first world problems, and I know you agree with this, Adam, the cups. it's a ridiculous conversation to have. The cups are so good, man. <laughs> I know they are. Arash, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned complaining, and we didn't get to talk to you last week when Shannon Sharp had his makeup debacle on first take, but you also oh. had the quote tweet and said, it happens. So did you just soldier <laughs> on when people like people were texting you like, hey, what's going on with the makeup job? Or did you throw you know, somebody under the bus? It was, it was fascinating because this happened at the in Final Four in San Antonio, and it was one of those situations where uh, they put, I knew they were putting out a lot of makeup, but I wasn't in front of a year, so I just had to trust that the makeup person knew what they were doing. When I finished my hit that day with Bob Lee, uh, the number of texts that came in saying, what the heck happened? And I went to the mirror, and I could not believe what had happened. And so... Uh, when I say these things happen, it happened to me once. I'm not Shannon Sharp. I'm not on TV every day. But my goodness, I mean, uh, you, you listen, Shannon Sharp is a good-looking man. He doesn't need that much makeup. Yeah, you do. I mean, they need to put a lot on you, though. That was, Yeah, but not that much, Adam. I'm sure you saw the photo. I mean, I was ridiculous. <laughs> Of Ross Markazi joining us from the Sporting Tribune and also uh, the upcoming blog rating uh, press box food around the country, I think, is going, yeah, right. it's going to happen after this conversation. Lakers were in action last night. Uh, a lot of topics came out of that, I thought, including the biggest one that a lot of people are discussing today. The managing of minutes for LeBron is going to be a plan, it looks like, going forward. Uh, is this the right move? Here's the thing. You have to do that at the beginning of the season. And the reason that you have to do that is with, with the way the last season played out, and I know that the way that the team that started the season wasn't the same team post-trade deadline. That being said, it doesn't matter what LeBron and the Lakers do October, November, December. Uh, it does matter if, if he's healthy come playoff time. So that's, that's the big key. So, um, 
I think they're testing this out. And at the end of the day, if LeBron starts to complain, and he won't complain pub- publicly, but if, if if they start to lose games because he's not on the floor, then I think they're going to tweak things a bit. But the idea is, hey, like, like, let's keep our head above water. Let's, you know, play well. Again, they got to the Western Conference Final as the number seven seed. So their thought process here is, well, let's not push and kill ourselves to try to be a top four seed, top two seed. Let's get LeBron healthy. The bigger story from the game last night, I thought, is, is that if Anthony Davis is not going to score in the second half, it doesn't matter how much LeBron James plays. That's true, uh, and and I want to get into that as well. But I I would just say, I mean, I guess the answer is Anthony Davis has to play better and score more in the second half. But was there anything we saw last night that would lead us to believe the Lakers would have any chance against the Nuggets in a seven game series? Listen, it's a long season, so I, I I do think continuity matters. I do think Denver is the best team in the league once again. I think that like we're, we're talking about a lot of the uh, hot teams and hot topics in terms of like the uh, Suns and their big three and Dane going to Milwaukee. At the end of the day, Denver has uh, the best player in the league, the best team in the league, and I don't think that's going to change. So I do think the Lakers could give them a series. And it was, it's, it's hard to say you give a team a series when you get swept, but all four of those games were close. At the end of the day, do I think that the Lakers are better than Denver? No, we saw that last night. Uh can they get there by the end of the season? Perhaps, but they was a very good team, guys. So what did happen with AD? Listen, I mean, we, we've been talking about this for years, and, and I, the frustration is that when he is right, when he is healthy, when he is locked in, he's a top 10 player in this league. We saw this in the postseason last season where, um, you know, He's having this amazing game and then a terrible game. Amazing game, a terrible game. I mean, it was a roller coaster. And so you cannot have your franchise player play that way. And so if, if this LeBron uh, 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 restriction is going to work, Davis is going to have to play like the captain of the team. And LeBron's been trying to pass him the torch for years now, by the way. When he wanted to give him his number, when he's been basically saying, this is the guy, this is our, this is our captain. But A.D. doesn't want to take the reins. And, and, it, and it's very frustrating for a lot of fans in Los Angeles because the talent's there. You're not talking about a bad player. You're talking about a player who, for whatever reason, cannot put together consistently the, the kind of production that this team has to have. Anthony Davis doesn't want to be the man, and i got to segue here. Adam Hill doesn't want F1 in Vegas. Do you think that the event is going to be a success? Yeah, I'm very fascinated by this because I went to the race in Texas, and the big difference was actually a variety of things, and I, I'm glad you brought this up. So in the uh, track there at the Circuit of the Americas is about 15, 20 minutes away from downtown. So they have their own location where it doesn't clog up the downtown. It doesn't take up street. It was affordable. You could get a three-day pass for, you know, $250. Um, so, you know, the common fan could go to the game. There is nothing about this that, that, that Joe Fan... Um, can afford to go to. I, I think what we're seeing, though, is the prices come down. That being said, the, 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 um, the problems that this race has caused for a lot of the locals, and I know you guys have seen it, but 
This is such a terrible idea. So I I was kind of flipped on this. I was very excited, but I thought there was a way for them to have this race, you know, set up the track and then be done with it. The fact that they they basically hijacked the Las Vegas Strip for half the year, you got porta potties at a grandstand in front of Bellagio Fountain, is terrible. And so, but they got to put in your contract. So they got to figure out a way to make this work. I'm very fascinated by how this uh, will go when they have the race here, but this seems like an absolute disaster. Well, as somebody who went, like, even if it wasn't a logistical, I mean, nightmare, disaster, debacle, like, whatever you want to call it, it's not even strong enough. It's horrific. Even if it wasn't that bad, like, what is the appeal? You went. What's exciting about it? So, I mean, it depends on what you like. You know, if you if you like the sport, then, then, then that's, you know, you enjoy it. Now, what they provide at them, if you're not a fan of the sport, is, you know, they got the sort of the celebrity and the club scene and, you know, the, you know, you know uh, the, it, it, it's somewhere where you could have a good time if you did not care about what's happening. So, you know, whether it's the, uh, the uh, drinks or the nightlife or the music, in Texas, they had a concert each night. The problem is they don't have that in Vegas. It's not affordable. So what made Texas fun is you hopped in a car, you drove 20 minutes there. Once it was done, you drove 20 minutes back. Uh, but again, it was affordable. So you could buy a three-day pass for about 250 And again, you, just, you didn't have a seat, but you, you didn't need a seat. I don't know how this is going to intrigue. And they did this thing, right, where like they're like, if you're an Nevada resident, you have a ticket dealer. And it wasn't. It was like for a, a practice ticket. It was like $300. So they've not made it affordable. But the worst thing is the beauty of, and the reason tourists come to Las Vegas is to see the strip, to see the fountains, to see Caesars, like, like all that that makes Vegas Vegas. And they've destroyed that. It's terrible. And the race you went to, uh, what, Max Verstappen won? That's a shock. Well, yeah, well that's the other thing. If people are not familiar with like that one, Max Verstappen clinched the season series with, you know, six races to go. And despite that, he continues to win. So uh, the season's a wrap. Like, so, so if you cared about the sport, which, you know, the majority of people, as we know, Adam, that are going are not going because they care about F1. They want to go to the, um, the uh, Heineken house. They want to go to like Club SI. They want to go to these places. But at the end of the day, no one cares about the races right now. It, it, it seasons a wrap. Yeah. I would rather talk about press box food for like three hours than, I feel you. than watch a race for 10 minutes, I feel like. Uh, Rosh, what is going on in the Sporting Tribune? What do you guys got coming up? There's always, always so much great stuff in there. Yeah, well, Steve Karp is going to write about the uh, hot start for the Vegas Golden Knights. We got WG, Willie Ramirez uh, talking about Las Vegas Spaces and UNLV football. And can the Raiders catch up with what has become the championship city of America? Can they even win a game? So all that and more at thesportingtribune.com. I always see, uh, like, drawings or, like, artistic renderings of people that get hired. Was there another hire today? I feel like I saw one on my timeline. Bonnie Jill Laughlin, yeah, former scout of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, she's joined the team. So, listen, if, you, if you, you're out there and you want to join, come uh, drop me a line. My DMs are open, as the kids say. 
Did the kids say that? <laughs> uh, I, I really just want that uh, artistic rendering of me. That's all I want. So uh, maybe I'll have to do like one story for you so I can get that done. One story. Yeah. Yes. I appreciate we, we, you. We, we, we got you. We got you. Appreciate you, sir. Talk to you soon. All right. See you. Bye. Great stuff from Arash. As always, we'll come back, continue, wrap things up. Don't forget the Coach Barry Odom Radio Show coming up right after us. Get on down. Parkway Tavern, 215 in Flamingo. We'll lead you up to it right now. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, wrapping things up here. Cofield and Company on a Wednesday. Coach Barry Odom Radio Show coming up from Parkway Tavern just down the street. Flamingo and 215, Adam Hill and Damon closing things out here. And Damon, some news trickled out last night. It was like the start of the third period of the Golden Knights game. I got a text, start to look around, then I see some tweets. And oh boy, John Jones out of UFC 295 coming up. Uh, supposed to be next month at Madison Square Garden. A huge show. That was supposed to feature John Jones, Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title. Uh, that's the kind of card you want at Madison Square Garden. What you don't want is for one of the fighters to get hurt and not be able to participate and have a completely redone card without a big name. And that's what happened to the UFC. John Jones out. Looks like I was hearing about eight or nine months potentially yep. uh, with that injury, which is what the muscle that connects uh, the pec. It's a tough, tough injury. Painful. Uh, he's going to have surgery, and uh, not good. Not good for John Jones, not good for the UFC, not good for Stipe, uh, who will now be off the card and kind of wait, uh, await John Jones. Now, it could be good for the people of Las Vegas, because that means maybe right around July is when it could potentially happen. I think it'll actually be a little bit after that, but um, if they are able to do this in Las Vegas, that's a win for the people of Las Vegas. But this is a tough break for the UFC and for the fans in New York. Oh, you say, oh, maybe this is a good break for people that want to see Stipe here. I think he's done. Really? He's yeah. out? Didn't get this fight? I'm done? Yes. I it's think he should be. such a payday. Yeah, I, yeah, man, but. That's a nice retirement gift. Win or lose. I mean, you lose. There's You have, like, your legacy's not not hurt at all. I mean, I guess unless you, like, took a one-punch knockout and um, went out embarrassingly in some way, I guess it could impact your legacy some, but. One of the greatest heavyweights ever in the UFC was the champion. Uh, what better way to ride into retirement than with a massive payday that can't possibly hurt? Like It's not like you're getting knocked out by some scrub, potentially. It's You're getting knocked out if you lose or you get knocked out or submitted or, or even just beat by decision. You're losing to the greatest fighter of all time, so who cares? I'll take that check on the way out. Okay, so this, this brings me to my next question and one of my pet peeves with the UFC. Is the now replacement fight with Sergey Pavlovich, is that an, for the interim heavyweight yes, championship? Of course it is. So, how can the interim champion just wait for John Jones <laughs> to come back? Oh, his pec's healed? <laughs> He's got, Stipe's got him first. Yeah. So now that title becomes what? Just well, cause, of- because you can, look, I hate this. I'm not defending this. <laughs> so don't be like, you said this? Yo, I'm saying this is what they're going to say because I've seen it time and time again. They will say, hey, this fight was already booked. You will have, if Pavlovich wins, it's it's Pav- Pavlovich Aspinall for the interim title, I believe, which is just whatever. Uh, you will have Jones-Miasic. You would have 
Pavlovich or Aspinall then defend the interim title probably at some point. And then you would say, well, if Stipe wins, he's probably retired. And if Jones wins, he, he might be retired too. So we're just going to have that fight. And then whatever happens with the interim title happens. And that's how they're going to do it. And I think it's stupid. But that's just that's how they roll. You should just give him five rounds and hey, you got next. Whatever happened to just being the number one contender? I guess. Look, I, I it, what it really sucks. It does suck for the UFC and it sucks for uh, people in New York, people that had planned trips to go watch one of the most anticipated heavyweight fights in history. Pavlovich and Aspinall. Were you one of those people? No. Okay. I'm not going. I think there's a the Raiders game that weekend. Okay. So I will not be able to make that trip. But yeah, that's it's unfortunate. It sucks. Um, but. They do what they do. They put together another card, and people will buy it, and they'll watch it. But it just won't won't be the same as it was. That'll no. do it. That'll do it for us. Don't forget, Coach Barry Odom Radio Show over at Parkway. Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, Barry Odom, and uh, thank you to Caleb Herring for joining us. Thanks to Arash Markazi and everybody. Thanks to you guys for listening. Stay tuned.